I just want to jump right into his word. I want to pick up with the scripture that we uh, were anchoring from last week. And let's just, if you have your word, you can open it and otherwise it'll be on the screen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're leading us. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, this is your word. You breathed upon us and created life, and you breathed upon your word, Lord, and gave us life back again through Jesus Christ, through the blood. Thank you, Lord, that your word gave us life back, the life that you breathed into Adam at the beginning of time. Lord, you breathed it upon your word, and it gives us that life back. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. He said, Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already. The one we have laid already, Jesus Christ. Let's just read this together. No one can lay any. Let's just say that again. Any. There is no other foundation. It is only Jesus. I've been, we've been on a theme this winter. The Holy Spirit just keeps coming back to this. Remember, you got saved not through the Bible. You got saved through Jesus. Then the Bible it teaches you who he is. Like you fell in love. I fell in love with Dawn. I didn't know who she was yet, right? I knew who she was. And then I've learned to know her, right? You don't know. Is love, is real love, is, is real love at first sight? No, real love takes time. But there is the spark of love that's that spark, that spark of Jesus. Remember, it was a spark. There was a spark. There was something in you that said, I need Jesus. Most of you didn't even know why. You just knew you needed him. That was that spark. And then you began, began to know him, right? There was the spark, and then you learned. And so it wasn't even the Bible. It was Jesus, the, the lowest, the, the first, the rock, the foundation. There is no other foundation. Even the written word must be upon Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation than the one we have already, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation, everybody say that foundation. Which foundation? Anyone who builds on Jesus. It says Jesus Christ is the foundation. And once whatever you build, be careful, it says. It says to be careful because, verse 12 there's a variety of materials we can use. We can use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And the fire will show if a person's work has any value. And we want value, don't we? We want to make this life count. And we don't want to just be doing and going. But the only thing that will last is what we have in Jesus. What you do through your own strength, what you do you know, through your own ambitions and, and come up with great ideas and give this one and do this one and help that one and all these things in good and not in Christ, 
is just wood, hay, and straw. If you do it in your own strength or for your own gain or with your own ambitions or for your own motive and not upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, and if we look at that foundation, Jesus was humble. Jesus was low. Jesus stayed submitted to the Father. He said, I only do what the Father tells me. I only say what I'm told to say. Uh, He walked in power. He did miracles. He did many great things. The Bible says of itself that John said if we were to pen down everything that he ever did, there's not enough books to contain him. There's not a, we couldn't write enough about him, and yet Jesus stayed low. Jesus stayed submitted. Jesus withdrew to the mountains to pray. He stayed in submission to the Father all the way to the cross. So if we look at that foundation, we don't want to just look at, okay, the foundation is the cross. It's not the cross. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The cross was a part of Jesus. And many times we build upon the foundation of the cross, and it sounds close, but it's wrong. The foundation of the cross, the cross was the finality of Jesus, but, but the wholeness of Jesus Christ, not just, we don't just build on what he did for you, we build on him. He's not just a ticket into heaven. The cross was absolutely 100%, not for him, just for you. And it is an amazing gift that we could never, ever repay him. But he never came just to give you a ticket. He never came just to give you the entrance. He came to give you an entrance so that he could know you and know you intimately. And so we can do, we can come to Christ and we can have this amazing gift and be given eternity and be given blessings and be given gifts and then run off with those things and miss the whole point, which is just to know him. Remember in the beginning, and I love going back to Genesis because the end, who has ever missed the first three minutes of a movie and you have no idea what's going on? You can kind of sum up mostly what's going on, but you know, they start a movie or a book with those pages on purpose. And so I love going back to Genesis because it is the reason why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John make sense. You can't understand Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John unless you understand what happened in Genesis. And so God creates everything. He creates this amazing universe, this amazing world, and and it is amazing. Isn't it amazing what he's created? Isn't it just, it's it's mind-blowing. Who loves studying about the universe, about the earth, right? I've, been t- I've said it many times. I love watching things like planet Earth. It is unbelievable how big God is and what he's done. But then it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't complete. He wanted companionship. He made Adam and Eve not to be another animal. We are not the apex predator. That is a lie. That is, that is evolution. We are, we are not the, the top of the, the food chain only on a map, okay? We are separate. There is the animal kingdom, and then there is humanity. If you want to be animal, you can be animal. Who knows how to be animal? Who knows how to let your animal nature rule? We are not animal nature, right? We have been made in the image of God. The animals are not made in the image of God. They have lots of similarities and, and, and evolution, you know, you know, Darwin, he goes over to Galapagos and he's like, well, this looks like this and that, man, that's got, a, that's got a little bit of a duck, a little bit of a fish, a little bit of a bird. So we, it must just be all mixed together. Well, I look at it and say, well, 
you know, they say uh, common ancestor, I say common God. Okay, so God made the animals, and, he, and, he, and they all look a little bit like, a little bit like each other, because he's the same God who made them all. But then he made humanity completely separate. Just because the ape stands and has fingers like us and can do a little bit of sign language, we are not close. We are as far from the ape as we are from a fish. That we just need to know that we have been made special. God made us special. He made humanity. In fact, the Bible says that he breathed his own life into us. It does not say that he did that with the animals. It does not say that he did that with anything else, but he did that with us. He created you, and I want you to say this word out loud, for relationship. Without Jesus, this thing we do, the Bible doesn't make sense. Without Jesus, church is a waste of your time. If you're coming here for religion, don't come back. And I know all you here, this is... <laughs> <laughs> I know that's why you're not here. I can say that confidently. If you just want to do a religious thing, you're wasting your time. We need to do a Jesus thing. And so it is so important that we are careful what we do. First of all, we can't lay any other foundation. We know that here that it is only Jesus, but we must be careful what we do with our lives. That's what these scriptures are saying. We must be careful with what we are building, our, our layers upon that. And we, are, we personally are parts of that, but also it's the truths we hold on to and that we live with. And it says that the fire will show if a person's work is any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. You want your rewards. We don't do it for the rewards. But think about this. Who wishes that they paid a little more attention in school? Who had a tough time with school? But who now is like, man, I wish I paid just a little more attention. Could have done something smarter, right, with your life. I mean, we are, listen, we are what we are, and we end up being just where God knew we would be. But if I look back, man, I'm, I look sometimes and think, I wish I paid attention just a little bit more. Imagine your life, as James calls it, a vapor. Just your whole life. Even the thousand years that Methuselah lives, right? A thousand years, and yet his life is gone. It's been gone for, what is it, five thousand or four or five thousand years already? Gone. Imagine your life just a vapor. And what you do in that tiny little block of time dictates the rest of eternity. If you could, your mind really can't fathom that because the first thing you do in your mind for eternity is you go 10 billion, 10 trillion, 10 gazillion years. You know, we think it in years. It's not in years. There is no time. It is without time forever and ever and ever and ever. Imagine the little bit of time that the Bible calls a wisp of air dictates the rest of forever. I think then the scriptures would make a lot of sense here. Be careful what you do with what I've given you. Be careful what you believe. Be careful once you receive Jesus Christ that you stay close to Jesus and don't get off because you may make it into heaven. That's what these scriptures are saying. It's not a, this is a, not a heaven and hell verse. 
This is, what have you done with the Jesus you laid? What have you, the, the Jesus you laid as your foundation, what have you done with that? And it's so important, it's so, so important that I, that's what we're preaching on today. And it says that Jesus, let's look in the book of John. I want to transition from there. I wanted to use that as the segue from last week to this week to look at this. John chapter 1, verse 1. If we don't receive Jesus as the relationship that he intended, we are no different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees of his day that thought that God was in the pages of a book or that God was in a building. They had plenty of churches the temples, and, you know, there was two. It wasn't just the temple. It was the temple and the, wow, I'm just tired. I know the other word. Come on, Dan, help me out. Come on, where they went to learn. Wow. Yeah, you know, that other building. The other place where they went to school. The synagogues. I knew that. The synagogues of the temple was two different places, but they had plenty of learning. That's what the synagogue was. It was a place where you learn. Jesus taught in both. And they thought that's where God was. God never wanted to dwell in a building. God never wanted to dwell in a book. Did you know that? Did you know, though, that I'm going to look at it in Ephesians. It tells us that the church is upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. So we can't throw out the building, we can't throw out the book. And I will not tell you to do either of those things, so please hear me out. I know sometimes I have the tendency, TJ and I have laughed about this, to scare you, and everybody gets, what are you saying? So I'm just to tell you up front, instead of holding you in suspense and telling you later. Listen, you cannot throw out his word. It is the anchor and the building, the, the place where we worship. We must keep these thing, those things, but it is so close. It's like taking communion as a religious act, and, and it could be done, and someone just be doing it right next to you, and you're doing it with the heart of God. You remember his blood, you remember his body, and there's no religion in it, and yet from the outside, you look exactly the same. It's the same thing with the Word and with the church. You can go to church, you can even read His Word and not know Jesus. Isn't that a scary thought? It's such a sobering thought. It's one that we should be constantly reminded of. One that we should be reminded of all the time. Why? Because our lives are a vapor. And if your whole life is a vapor, then what? is this one little moment that I get to preach to you? Is it even measured on the scale of time? So I better say it often, because when we measure it against eternity one day, it won't even be measurable. It's unbelievable, this thought, isn't it? But it says in John 1, 1, everybody say, in the beginning. So we just talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about Adam and Eve being made. God formed them out of the clay. He breathed his personal breath. He breathed his breath. He didn't put earth's oxygen into your lungs. You understand this. The animals have the oxygen of the earth. The trees are, were exchanging the oxygen and the carbon dioxide, right? We're ex exchanging. 
But Jesus put his personal life in you. The only thing that separated us from that was our sin, humanity's sin. But he breathed into us, and then, as I've been mentioning a lot in this season, then he walked in the garden with them. Isn't that incredible? It says that in the beginning, as in Genesis, as in before Genesis, it says the, everybody say, Word already existed. What word are we talking about? Is it the Bible you read in the morning? It's not. I know this is like a shocker to you. This is Jesus. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the Word was God. Isn't that amazing? Verse 3, God created, everybody say created, everything. Okay, so that is the universe, that's the earth, and then including us. Everything was made through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Verse 5 says that the light shines in the darkness, and then this is translated many different ways. Some of your translations say comprehend. Some say conquer. Some say extinguish. And it's because darkness, they couldn't really both. They couldn't fully understand what was happening, right? We know that because the Bible says that if they knew, if the rulers of this world knew, both the human and the, and the dark spiritual rulers knew, they wouldn't have put Jesus on the cross knowing it was fulfilling our plan, the plan for us. They didn't understand it, and they couldn't stop it. Darkness couldn't stop what God was doing. It was already done. It was before. I like it's been said that the devil had a plan, but God had the pre-plan, right? There were many plans, but God had a pre-plan. Before he even made anything, the word was already. And it says that darkness couldn't stop it. It tried. See, darkness tried to stop. What happened in Genesis, darkness tried to stop God's plan. God's plan for companionship, for relationship, for you and I to walk with him. Darkness tried to stop it, didn't it? The devil tried to stop it, but it could not because Jesus was already in the works. Ever say he was already? He was already. So it says in verse 9, the one, everybody say the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming. He was coming. He was coming. It was already planned. He already planned it. It was already done. He was coming. So the Word existed, but He was coming. The Word existed, and the Word, it says, He came in. Verse 10, 
He came into the world, the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. And see, verse 11 is such an important verse here because that's also, when you're looking at Matthew 24 and 25, warning us about our day, warning about the, the day ahead of us. It is much like what happened here in verse 11 where just because he's coming, just because he's given us the word, just because the church has been preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and worship albums after worship albums and outreaches after outreaches doesn't mean that everyone will receive him. Many will still reject him just as they did when he came in the flesh and he comes again, they will reject him again. It says, verse 12, everybody, let's just embrace this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right. And in the King James, actually it says that he gave the power to become children of God. Jesus gave us back the power. Do we have the King James on there? Do we have that there? Jesus gave us back the power. He gave power to become. Everybody say power to become. How do we become? It's only through Jesus. Jesus gave us the power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Those that believe on his name, he gave us the power to become. Adam and Eve were what? They were made. Adam was made in the image of God. He was called a son of God. He was God's son. He wasn't his one and only son in the God sense, in the earthly, in the human, and this is messes with our human minds, your spirit understands but he was God's son, made in his image, right? My children are in my image. They look more like their mother's image, but they're in our image. But Jesus gave us back the power to become sons of God. And that is a place with him where we have relationship, but also it's a place where we are submitted. And before I turn to Genesis, I want to just, let's just look here what it says. It says, they are not, they are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth, everybody say a birth, that comes from God. So verse 14 says, so the word became Human. God, this is the amazing thing. What is the word? What is God's written word that we understand? It was God speaking to us. It's life to us. God spoke so that we then, as I read it and I embrace it and I have Jesus as the only foundation, not reading it for knowledge, not reading and comparing it to other religions. It's only Jesus. And now I know Jesus. And now I want to know you. I don't want to know about you, but I want to know you. So now I read his written word to understand the living word. Does that make sense? 
I only read it to know the living word, not to, to know word. The word, God, the Bible says that God looks into nothingness. He looked into the expanse. He looked into the void and he did what? What did God do to create? Did God think? He spoke. And he spoke, as we look at John 1, 1, through Jesus. It says nothing was made except through him. Jesus is the mouth. Jesus is the speaking, right? He's the, he came and he preached the gospel and then told us to do the same. Not to preach our gospel. We can do that as humans, but to preach his gospel just as he did. It was in God already. This is the thing we need to understand. Before it was in a book, it was in Jesus. And then Jesus spoke and created us. This is incredible. Adam and Eve didn't need to know what was right and wrong. Let's go look. Let's look in Genesis. The word became human, verse 14, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, or he was full of grace and truth. But it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, after God forms him and he breathes his breath into him, verse 8, then the Lord plants a garden and he placed the man he made in the garden. And verse 16, it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, the Lord God warned him. Everybody say, the Lord warned him. So the Lord spoke again, except he didn't need a whole book. He just needed one line at that time. They were ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. They were childish. They were so wise that Adam and Adam named all the animals. That's a lot. I can't remember. I couldn't even remember one species. If you had to give me all the names for all the parts of that species, I couldn't tell you. And he named all the animals. And when it says all, I believe the word means all. It means every fish. It means every bird. It means every creeping, crawling, etc. And yet he was a child. Like we said last week, Jesus said to come to me, you must be like a child. And why was he a child? Because he was, a child is simple. A child is placed in the playpen. A child is placed in security and in safety and provided for and taken care of and everything they need is there. But it says that he made a garden for him and he placed him in the garden and said, it's all yours. Everybody say, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, he said. You can have everything. I've given you everything. But then he spoke. Everybody say he spoke. So God's word, Jesus spoke us into life before we even understood right and wrong. He had already spoken. See, what we do as humans is we, we want to figure out right and wrong. As soon as you want to figure out right and wrong, you're off. It's not a right and wrong thing. It's God's way and it's the devil's way. It's God's way and it's our way. 
It's not about right and wrong. It's not about good and evil. Because who can possibly understand what that is? Remember, Jesus said it. What is good? Define good. Let's try to figure out good. Is this making sense to anyone today? But it says God spoke. He warned him. He gave him one word. You can eat, verse 17 though, except the tree, everybody say, of the knowledge of good and evil. Except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, God, it was never his desire for you to even know what good and evil was. It wasn't even his desire. Well, this wasn't his plan for us to choose right and wrong and good and evil. It was just to, it was a simple thing. It was just, I'm God, you're man. We've got this understanding. I made you. Everybody say, he made us. It's such a simple gospel, isn't it? Don't we complicate such a simple gospel? Isn't it such a simple thing? Jesus came to restore that. The only reason that the Bible got so fat is because we're sticklers for the gray area. You know who hangs out in the gray area? The devil. Because what did the devil do with Eve? Right, we've brought this up many times. How did he deceive her? Because he came and he twisted, he spoke his own word, didn't he? He spoke a word. He spoke a word and twisted God's word and said, did God really say? To question God. Don't think of it as questioning the Bible, but questioning God. Questioning God. You won't believe the Bible unless you believe God. I mean, I know that that sounds like elementary, that sounds simple, but remember, we're children. It's such a simple truth, but until God is God, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. And isn't that the truth? We just rewrite this Bible however we feel fit. Change it to the culture, change it to the times, change it any way we see fit, right? Because it's not a lack of respect for the Bible. I could take this iPad that has my Bible on it and throw it in the garbage, and God's not going to strike me with lightning. I could take the written Bible and burn it right now, which I would not do. I'm not going to go to hell for burning that because it's just, you know, that was made in some factory in Cincinnati or probably China by some synthetic leather and paper. It's God's life within it. It's not the book. It's the life within it. And I had a point to saying that. The devil's the twister. He's the gray area. As soon as you want to know what's good and evil, you're already off. Instead, is it, God, what is your will? God, what do you want? God, what do you want? There are things that aren't even sins in the Bible, but who has had the Holy Spirit tell you to do things that the Bible doesn't say you can't? But you know that you know that you know the Holy Spirit said that's not for you. Come on. Because it's not a good and evil thing. Right? It's not a good and evil thing. This is a God thing. 
And we've been talking about it's a Holy Spirit thing. It's a Jesus thing. It's not a religious thing. And it sound, could sound so close to the other picture, which is going to church and singing songs and reading his word. And it sounds so close. And yet we must intimately know him. And all I can do is say these words, really a preacher's job. Even Jesus, he spoke Remember, but then they come back to him later on. Remember, he, he feeds them on one side of the sea. Then they come to the other side of the sea. And he's like, you don't really care about me. You just want the food I gave you. All I can do is just keep speaking, speaking, speaking. And it's not really your, he, your ears. I mean, I hope you retain here. But it's your spirit Right, and this is what we've been talking about. Jesus changes something in something in you instantaneously. Who was a perfect Christian the moment you came to Christ? Anybody in here? <laughs> Who was a sinner still on day two? But Jesus started doing something inside you, didn't he? Who is so aware that something, man, something changed? Something has begun to change in me. Something supernatural. We must approach this life of Christianity this way every single day. Then I come into his word. Then I come into church. Then I come into worship knowing that it's not my head I need to fill. It's not some sort of penance that I need to give. You can never pay God back. You could never worship him enough. Your worship will never, ever be enough. Just get that through your head. And don't get upset about that. You could never tithe enough. You can give 100% and it's still not enough. Well, that was a sensitive button. But we do those things because we love him, not because it's in his word, but it's in his, see, this is such a fine, it's such a fine line. It's in his word, and if you want it to be a rule book, God's law is God's law. As I've said many times, gravity is still gravity. You can look at it as a law and test that law, or I can just say, I don't have any desire to test it. I love that gravity exists, and I love that the birds can fly and I can't. But, or I can test it and then find out God's law. But it was never his law. See, good and evil existed, didn't it? See, he didn't say that good and evil didn't exist. He just said, that's not a realm that I want you to live in. Is this making sense, anyone? I don't want you to live there. I don't want you to live within the pages of a book and try to figure me out. Remember the law, even the law, and Jeannie's been talking about the fear of the Lord on Tuesday nights. I encourage you, she's going to talk again this coming Tuesday. But even the law was given as a backup. It was never God's plan. God said when he delivered them from Egypt, he took Moses up on the mountain, had an experience with Moses on the mountain, and then he said to, to him, now I want to be with you. I want to know you. I want to have an experience with you. And it's welcome to all the people as well. And they said, no, Moses, you just go and you meet God and you tell us what he says. So the law was established. You realize that, that that's where the law came from. 
And then it only got bigger and bigger and bigger and fatter and fatter and fatter because why? Well, what if, everybody say, what if? Well, what if someone steals my donkey but doesn't kill my donkey? Right? You go through the law, that's what the law is. It doesn't, it's not invalid, it's all truth. But instead, how about this? How about you stole my donkey and instead of me getting upset, here's a second one. Because that's what Jesus says, the law of love. See, it's dangerous. I won't tell you don't read your word because then we get off. You need to read your word. He gives us the word. He, has, he preserved it, literally preserved it to protect us. But this will not save you. The Bible will not save you. It is Jesus Christ and only Jesus. It is Jesus. Remember, Jesus was the word. Then the word was written. Jesus, then the word. Jesus, then the word. If we get those out of whack, if we try to make Jesus the word, I know that this sounds like semantics. I'm splitting hairs. But it is so important that we remember that I came to Jesus and not to the Bible. I didn't come to a church. The NNC did not save you. NNC did not help you. Jesus within that building, Jesus within the people in this building were there for you. And it is such a fine line, but your identity is so important. You can have your identity, right? That's what I've been saying. The first thing we say is, what church do you go to? I'm a Christian. What church do you go to? It's such a weird question. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. That's amazing. So what's your life like with Jesus? What's your relationship with Jesus? Now, NNC, no name, you know, we get all kinds of responses. That's all, we get all, it's all over the map what people say and think of it. But at its heart was simply what I'm saying today, which is we don't want an identity in anything else but in Jesus alone. That's why I put, there's one name at the front here. It's no name but that name. If we could have a long name, remember the old names, the 70s church names, where they had like 10 words? It would say, no other name but Jesus. No name's quick and easy. You want the explanation? We're, we're willing to give it to you. I must decrease. He must increase. I must decrease. The church name must decrease. I must decrease. Jesus must be increased. It wasn't his plan for us to even be aware of knowledge of good and evil. And it's knowledge we can't then come back into Christ through knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. We must come back to Christ the way he established it. And I looked at these verses a couple of weeks ago. I want to look again. Ephesians 2, verses 20. Ephesians 2, verses 20 says, Together, everybody say, Together, we are... His house. Built on the foundation, everybody say the foundation, of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone. See, see, Jesus is the, he's the 
the beginning. He is the base layer. The cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. And then before we read 21, I want to read this quickly. In, I want to read quickly here in Proverbs 9, verses 10. I think we've gotten this verse off many times. It says that the fear of the Lord... I love how the NLT translates this. It says it's the, everybody knows it as the beginning, right? Same thing. And yet when we look at the New Testament, all the pictures is foundational. Not necessarily a beginning and an end, but a building, right? And the fear of the Lord is the foundation. You have to, in order for you to want to do what God says or want to love Jesus or want to be a church or want to do anything like that, and I hate to just put it into that category, but it must be a respect for God, who God is. It just got to be that you, you know you are man and he's God. That, I mean, at the, simp- at the simple. And then that's where Jesus is. And that place, that's where we surrender. Jesus, I give you my life. And it says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. I love how the NLT translates this because it's saying that it's fearing the Lord, that's where wisdom begins. We want wisdom. Remember, Adam was wise, but he didn't have knowledge. Wow. Adam was so wise, he could name all the animals, but he had no knowledge of good and evil. It wasn't even on his radar. We need the wisdom of God. Remember, Jesus, it says... Is the, he is the epitome of God in a human body on the earth. He was wisdom walking around, and yet he was like Adam. Remember, we see that the Bible says that Jesus is the new Adam, the second Adam. He was like Adam before the fall, submitted to God. Submitted within the parameters that God gave him. And then this second part is so key Because it says knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. See, we could translate this. It's translated traditionally that it's knowledge. But it's not knowledge. It's when you really study this, it's knowing. Everybody say knowing. We fear the Lord. We have a wisdom. And there is no knowledge. We know. Everybody say no. We know the Holy One. That's where good judgment comes. It's only in knowing Him. Go and study that out. I encourage you to go and study this verse out. You will see that this word is so much more. It does not mean human knowledge. And I looked at it. Remember what Paul says? And we just looked at it last week. He's like, I came to you in weakness. I decided to discard all the knowledge I knew. But I have a wisdom that's in God. It's a different wisdom. It's not the wisdom of this world. And so just to close, let's go back to Ephesians. And I thought that was key there to read that because it says that it's Jesus Christ. It's the apostles. That's the New Testament, right? The prophets of the Old Testament, right? The apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ, the prophets, the apostles, and then... And, and, and it's only in this pattern that God, he gives us a particular, he gives us a pattern so that we have 
wisdom so that we know. See, there's a knowing in God that doesn't come from anything that you have been told or taught. Who has known things that were right or wrong and then read that verse? Because it was God inside you that you knew. And, and we really know when we're doing wrong. We just sear our conscience, the Bible says. We want what we want. But there's a knowing in, in God that is so much deeper than the human knowledge. And it's Jesus Christ, the apostles. We have, our, we have our New Testament. We have our prophets, our Old Testament. And we, verse 21, and we have the church. So God has put us in the parameters of the garden again. We are carefully joined together in Him. Carefully. See, God has carefully put us together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. See, it was not the temple that was wrong. It wasn't the law itself that was wrong. Paul talks about that. It wasn't the law that was evil. It's that we tried to make it religious, that we tried to figure it out. We tried to understand God before we say yes to God. Before we're willing to be obedient, we want to know. We want to understand. There are things that you will never ever understand. There are things that I've known the Holy Spirit has told me to do that the Word doesn't say is bad. I'm not saying that I'm doing bad things. The Holy Spirit says you have license to do that, but things that don't seem evil, and they're not in the Word, but the Holy Spirit says don't do that. And I have to listen, and I know to listen, and, and I'm just going to trust Him in that. And He doesn't have to give me understanding. It says we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple. So we, the church, his word, the apostles, the prophets, all built upon Jesus. All of those parts can only be built upon Jesus. And all of those parts without Jesus mean nothing. But together we become the temple for the Lord. Through him, it says, you Gentiles, that's pretty much everyone in this church. I said I'm 1% through my genetics. I'm 1% Jewish. So I was in the original already. But verse 22 says, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Isn't God amazing? He is so good. He wants us to live. See, we are together. He put the church together. He bound his word. He had the prophets prophesy. He had the apostles go. And all of these parts, even today, and then we, we modernize it. We're going to futurize it to worshiping here in this building. All of this, everything, is all to put us back to that place with Christ. But we can do all those things without Christ, and it's just things. It's just stuff. And if I could sum it up in one thing, it's I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's just Jesus. It is only Jesus. It's only ever been him. Before it was ever a Bible, before it was ever Adam and Eve, before God ever spoke law, rules, regulations. You can put it in any human term you want, and it wasn't ever supposed to be that. Just supposed to be the law of love. 
I'm God, you're man, listen to what I'm telling you because I love you. Okay, God, simple, thank you. Let's just stand. Thank you, Jesus. We just praise you, Lord God. We give you glory, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have put us together in this church. I thank you, Jesus, with you at the center, with everything revolving around you, with you, the th- you're the thread, Lord, in between all of us, knitting us, as your word says, together, Lord, and binding us together as one people. We thank you, Lord God, that you can do amazing things in us and through us when we stay in that place. In Jesus, we just call upon you again. We yearn for you again. Lord, just like John, even the disciples, Lord, that were all around you, but John, Lord, rested. Lord, we have that beautiful image of him resting his head, Lord, upon you, that place of intimacy with you, Lord. And that is welcome for all of us. It wasn't just for John. John just discovered it and you offered it to all of us, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We honor you. We worship you. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen.